In the name of the God of prophets. Amen. The fact that we're light on the ground this morning reminds me that it is a holiday weekend. And, of course, we all remember what we're celebrating this weekend, and that is the Declaration of Independence 233 years ago. It was, in many respects, a prophetic document. And if you have not read it or heard it read aloud recently, I suggest you find a way to do that. I heard it read aloud on the radio earlier uh, this week, and I was struck by the power of the words. And it reminded me that they are prophetic words in many respects. And we've grown over the past few decades to quibble over our founding fathers and whether all of them were Christian or not, whether they were all in this for really freedom of all people or not. They were products of their own time and their own place in the world, for sure. They were children of the Enlightenment. Most of them were highly educated and quite wealthy. And of course, when they said, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, they were probably thinking largely of men. Although behind them stood many a woman who supported them and more than supported them, kept them honest in their own lives. But just the same, they were products of their own time. And yet, they declared something that seems to jump outside of time. And what really struck me upon this year's hearing of the Declaration of Independence was the way they pledged to one another at the very end of the document their sacred honor, all of their resources, even their lives, because they know what they are doing is committing treason. They are marking their own heads. And they don't know the outcome. And yet they sign their names to the document because they know they are speaking at a very deep level the truth about the way things are and perhaps the way things should be for the human household. Even though they are saying it to a far superior leader and a far superior military. Today's readings are all about the prophet's curse. And we start with Ezekiel, who is hearing from God about his mission to go and proclaim the hard truths to the people of Israel. And I love that opening line, stand up, O mortal, or something to that effect, right? God reminds Ezekiel who's in charge, and it ain't Ezekiel. This is part of what it means to be a prophet, is to be completely humbled before the truth and before God. 
to stand up and to speak something that might well be unpopular. My homiletics professor, Linda Clater, taught that we who preach should tell as much truth as the community can bear. It's wise counsel and something that I have held close to me over the years. But it's counsel itself that requires a great deal of wisdom for correct implementation. Because over the years, having shocked some and bewildered others and annoyed a few with my words and actions as a leader in a faith community, I've learned that the judgment to weigh carefully about how much truth the community can bear is something that only comes with time, and sometimes with sheer luck. Of course, also assuming how much truth the community can bear is sometimes an arrogant way of thinking. I'm reminded of Jack Nicholson's famous penultimate line in the popular film A Few Good Men back in the early 90s. You can't handle the truth. Who gets to really declare that? And who gets to determine that? Prophets are truth tellers. They're not fortune tellers, they're truth tellers and they are constantly under threat for their vocation because we often will not or cannot bear the truth. And this is the fundamental problem that both Ezekiel and Jesus confront today in different ways. Jesus, for me at least, hits closer to home both figuratively and literally. He reminds us that truth is often hardest to hear from those we know best and love most. And yet it is from these people who are closest to us, who are our most intimates, that the truth is most powerful. For me, I can think of no one other than my wife who tells me the truth early and often. But I probably only hear her about 50% of the time on a good day. For the people of Nazareth, the inability or unwillingness to hear the truth from one of their own sons makes it difficult for Christ to offer them healing. It's a reminder, to me at least, that we should seek out truth from those whom we hold most dear. Now we expect to be rewarded for telling the truth. But history tells us the truth-tellers often are the first to get the raw end of the deal in troubled times. Think back to our forefathers and the Declaration of Independence. There were hard times ahead. The Revolutionary War was not an easy one. And historians will probably debate until the end of time whether we really won that war or whether England let us win that war. Nevertheless, there were hard times. 
for the people on the front lines and loss. Some lost everything. And even today we collect stories about whistleblowers at every level of society. Those who blow the whistle on their businesses and jobs, those who blow the whistle in government, who speak the truth when it is not welcome, especially by the powers that be. And many of them find themselves under the prophet's curse as they enter a wilderness of retribution. You know some of the more exalted prophets in recent history, from Gandhi to Martin Luther King Jr. to Harvey Milk. All of them have demonstrated that standing for truth in a hostile environment can cost everything, even life itself. But Paul reminds us today in his second letter to the Corinthians that whatever we carry as our curse for bearing the truth, even the enigmatic thorn in the flesh that Paul describes, all of that only reminds us that God's grace is sufficient to sustain us no matter what we suffer. And that's a radical teaching right out of the heart of the Christian gospel. It's one that we are meant to live into as Christians. For when we are given the truth to declare, we must learn to let go of the consequences of that and be reminded that we are promised the peace which passes all understanding. Many of us have had the experience of confronting someone with addiction or some other destructive evil ruining their own lives and the lives of others. And if you think back to that story in your own life for just a moment, you may remember when at that point the truth is at last spoken and we have set aside all worry about the outcome that we glimpse what Paul means by naming the sufficiency of God's grace. Because the gift of truth in our midst, whether we declare it to others or draw it from them, is that it frees us. We are freed by the truth to take a turn from a famous line in John's Gospel. For a moment, at least, after declaring or finding the truth, we see clearly we are liberated from the poisons of the status quo. And we recognize that the truth has altered things forever. The truth-telling business, the business of the prophetic, holds a critical place in our life as Christians, in our life of salvation. This week and next, the General Convention is meeting in Anaheim, and I ask your prayers for our leaders, lay and ordained. 
As an institutional body, we always run the risk of attempting to preserve the status quo without regard for the truth. We risk annihilating or at least quietly marginalizing prophets in our midst when nothing less than their truth is what the spirit intends for the body of Christ. A colleague and friend of mine, Tobias Haller, posted on his blog just as he was departing for Anaheim yesterday, this wisdom. He writes, one of the tragedies of institutions is that they so often betray their mission to preserve their structure. So I ask that you pray that we gathering at General Convention and our whole church may live first and foremost into our mission to proclaim the truth that we have been given to carry any resulting burdens with the recognition of God's all-sufficient grace at work in our midst. To recommit to one another our sacred honor, our wealth, our souls and bodies, recognizing that ultimately we belong to God and that God is a God of truth. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley, dot org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to be able to greet you in person very soon.